You are listening to audio from First Baptist Church in Fort Walton Beach. If you would like more resources or to watch our service online, please visit fbcfwb.org. Listen in as Pastor Wade helps us abide in Christ and advance the gospel through the teaching and the proclamation of God's Word. Our culture scoffs at the idea of meekness. When was the last time you heard meekness used as a compliment? When was the last time you saw a business guru or a politician calling for more meekness? In our world. It's a word that really is not even used much in our vocabulary these days. But meekness is a biblical word. And it demands our attention. As we see it is the next beatitude. As we work our way through the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. So keeping that in mind, I want you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 5, verse 5. Matthew chapter 5, verse 5. We are continuing this series titled The Beatitudes. Matthew chapter 5, verse 5. When you found your place, I want to ask you this morning if you are physically able to please stand with me in honor of the reading of God's Word. The Bible says, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Let's pray together. Father, in this moment we pause, recognizing our need for you. I pray, Lord, that by the power of the Spirit, you would grant us the gift of illumination. That we'd understand your word. We'd understand the import and implications of your word. And Lord, that by the Spirit, we would be inclined to respond to your word. God, I pray today, in the name of Jesus, for deep, substantive life change. That we might be transformed in these moments as your living word does its work. Help us to understand this text, Lord. And I pray that this text would change our Monday because of how you use it in our lives. We're so grateful that Christ has defeated sin and death. Even though we, like sheep, have gone astray, turning everyone to their own way, the Lord, you, have laid on him, Jesus, the iniquity of us all. Pierced for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities, upon him was the chastisement that brings us peace. We're so grateful that Jesus died on the cross for our sins. 
And we're so grateful that Jesus did not stay dead. That death did not have the final say. We're so grateful that there is an empty tomb. Because Jesus rose. Because of that, he can give us eternal life. We rest in, we rejoice in the hope and the promises of the gospel today. And we lift this prayer up to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. In Matthew chapters 5 through 7, we see a passage of Scripture commonly referred to as the Sermon on the Mount. This is a sermon that Jesus preached. It is wonderful in its content and in its power and its wisdom. And this sermon begins with an introduction. The introduction is called, commonly, the Beatitudes, which comes from the Latin phrase for the word blessed. Jesus here gives us eight Beatitudes, eight conditions, if you will, of blessedness. And the word blessed found here in Matthew 5 means more than just happy. It speaks of favorable circumstances. It speaks of a deep inner satisfaction. And Jesus wants us to understand that this blessedness comes from exhibiting certain characteristics. There's a direct connection between character, uh, characterizing certain values in our life and living a life of blessedness. I believe these characteristics are what D.A. Carson calls the norms of the kingdom. These characteristics found in these eight Beatitudes are the ways we ought to live as kingdom citizens. Our lives should be characterized by these qualities. And so I've given you a sentence that really describes the Beatitudes as a whole. The Beatitudes are characteristics of kingdom citizens that lead to true fulfillment in life. We've talked about being poor in spirit. We've talked about mourning. But this morning we're going to talk about meekness. Jesus says, blessed are the meek. For they shall inherit the earth. I want to discuss meekness under four headings or show you four aspects of what the Bible means by the word meek. First of all, I want to show you a definition of meekness or give you a definition of meekness. There in verse 5, blessed are the meek. That word meek is a translation of the Greek word praus, praus. And that word carries with it the idea of, of mild, or being mild, being gentle, being humble. It's used in different ways throughout the New Testament. For example, it's used three times in the Gospel of Matthew. It's used here in verse 5, it's translated meek. It's used over in Matthew chapter 11, verse 29, when Jesus describes his heart. He says, I am gentle and lowly in heart. That word gentle is a translation of the word praus, or meek. It's used over in 21, Matthew 21, verse 5, when Zechariah is quoted to show us that Jesus riding into the city of Jerusalem on Palm Sunday was a fulfillment of prophecy. And it quotes Zechariah, and it speaks of Jesus riding into Jerusalem 
humble and mounted on a donkey. That word humble is the translation of the word praus, the same word. And so we see the word used in the idea of meekness, gentleness, humility. That's what that word is about. So let me give you uh, just a definition to carry us through this time together. Meekness is gentleness and humility lived out for all the world to see. Meekness is gentleness and humility lived out for all the world to see. Because remember, these are characteristics of kingdom citizens. And so Jesus is reminding us that if you are a kingdom citizen, meekness should characterize your life in a growing way. Jerry Bridges calls meekness humility in action. I like that. Humility that's tangible. Humility that you can see lived out. Now it's interesting to note that these beatitudes uh, connect with one another. There's an interconnectedness here. And I believe these beatitudes build on one, uh, uh, one another. For example, the first beatitude is, Blessed are the poor in spirit. I taught you that means that we come to a place in our spiritual lives where we understand our bankruptcy. That spiritually speaking, we bring nothing to the table. It speaks of spiritual poverty. The second beatitude is, Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. So based upon our understanding of our poverty, we come to a place of mourning over our sin and its effects. It's a, a natural step. I, I understand I bring nothing to the table. I understand my fallenness. And then I mourn over my fallenness. And those first two beatitudes are a foundation for the the third beatitude. This exhibition of meekness. In other words, if you realize that you bring nothing to the table and you grieve over sin's effect in your life, then you realize that you are a product of grace. That should keep us from strutting around like we are God's gift to everyone else, shouldn't it? We are products of grace. We realize, based upon our poverty and our mourning, that we need help. We realize there's nothing for us to be arrogant about. We realize that having our way in this life has made a mess of things. And now, with a meek spirit, listen, we want God's way. That's what meekness is. Understanding you bring nothing to the table. Understanding that sin makes a mess of things. So based upon that, you say, Lord, I need some help. I need your way. I need your work in my life. You see, meekness is the opposite of selfish assertiveness and pride and aggressive behavior toward others. Meekness is the opposite of insisting on your own way. Listen, why would you throw your weight around in this world? You're just a safe sinner like everybody else. Amen? Why would you throw your weight around? You bring nothing to the table. All you have to offer others that is good is Jesus. That produces the effect of meekness in our life. In fact, 
The Bible tells us in Galatians 5 that meekness is one of the fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control, gentleness, praus, gentleness. It's one of the fruits of the Spirit. And so if we live a life where the Spirit of God has control of our life, He will will produce more and more meekness in our lives. And our lives will look more like Matthew chapter 5, verse 5. That's the definition of meekness. It's humility, gentleness in action. It's the opposite of self-assertiveness and throwing your weight around. But but let me give you just two illustrations of meekness to help you to kind of understand this word better. I want to give you an Old Testament example, and then I want to give you a New Testament example. The Old Testament example of meekness is Moses. You know Moses, Moses raised by an Egyptian king, but born a Hebrew. Moses taking matters into his own hands when he saw an Egyptian mistreating one of his Hebrew kinsmen and He killed the Egyptian when he intervened in the fight, so Moses had to flee Egypt for his life. He finds himself on the backside of nowhere as a shepherd, tending sheep in the wilderness. And God appears to him at the burning bush and says, Take off your feet, Moses, you are on holy ground. And then he tells Moses, the Lord, appearing to him at that bush, I want you to go to Pharaoh, the most powerful person on the planet, and I want you to say, let my people go. The, the Hebrew people were in Egyptian bondage and slavery. And he wanted Moses to go and lead them out of bondage into freedom. So Moses goes to Egypt and says, let my people go. And Pharaoh says no. And then God sends ten plagues to get Pharaoh's attention. And finally, Pharaoh says, get out of here. Take these Jews and get out of here. Because God's hand of judgment was so heavy on Pharaoh and his people. And so Moses leads the people out of Egyptian bondage and slavery. And he comes to the Red Sea and Pharaoh changes his mind. And Pharaoh marshals his army. And they come marching to destroy the Hebrew people. But God intervenes. And God parts the Red Sea. And the Israelites go through the sea on dry ground. And when the Egyptians follow them, God allows the sea to return to its place and Pharaoh's army is decimated. The Hebrew people are saved. And Moses had a front row seat as the leader to see God's hand of power at work. Then Moses began to lead the people through the wilderness towards the promised land that God was giving his people. And on the way to the promised land, Moses' siblings exhibit some frustration with Moses. In fact, they say, is Moses the only one that God speaks to? Is he the only leader around here? And and, and Miriam and Aaron, the the siblings, say, we ought to have some some leadership too. We ought to have some influence too. But here's what the Bible says in Numbers. The Bible says the reason they were saying this is because they didn't like Moses' wife. She was Ethiopian. And I believe that there's some ethnic prejudice going on here. 
I think they were even probably offended by her dark skin color. You say, wait, where are you getting that from? Well, when God judges Miriam for her, for her dislike of Moses' wife, he strikes her with leprosy. And her skin goes white with that skin disease. I believe that's God's way of speaking to the prejudice going on in that situation. But when Miriam and Aaron push back against the leadership, the God-ordained leadership of Moses, and think we should have a voice, we should have an influence, we don't want Moses telling us what to do all of the time. You know what Moses does? Nothing. Well, I shouldn't say nothing. He places the situation in God's hands. You know why he did that? Listen to what it says in Numbers chapter 12, verse 3. Now the man Moses was very meek. More than all people who were on the face of the earth. This great leader who had seen the power of, of God at work in and through his life is called the meekest person on the planet. So when this challenge to his leadership comes, Moses doesn't throw his weight around. Moses places it in God's hands. And God deals with it. And supports his leadership among the people. So the Old Testament example of meekness is Moses, the meekest person on the face of the earth. He didn't feel like he had to fight for his rights. He trusted God and placed this situation in his hands. The New Testament example of meekness, of course, is Jesus. Jesus. Over in Matthew 11, verses 28 and 29, Jesus says, I love this invitation. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Hey, maybe you're here this morning, and you are weighed down by life. You're weighed down by sin. You're weighed down by brokenness. I want you to understand that Jesus invites you to peace. Jesus invites you to life. Jesus invites you to healing. Jesus invites you to come and experience his transformation. He cares about you in your brokenness. And he says, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle, that's praus. I am gentle, I am meek and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy, my burden is light. Jesus here speaking in Matthew 11 is God incarnate. You don't get any more powerful than that. Jesus is fully God, fully human. And Jesus, who is deity, says, you want to know what my heart is like? My heart is meek. My heart is gentle. Jesus here exhibits a tenderness that grips my heart. In fact, if there were one thing that God's been kind of reminding me of my past few times alone with him, it's the tenderness of Christ. 
Over in Matthew 12, verses 19 and 20, the Bible says, speaking of Jesus, applying an Old Testament passage to him from Isaiah, it says, He will not quarrel or cry aloud, nor will anyone hear his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break, a smoldering wick he will not quench. Because Jesus has a meek, gentle heart, he deals with you and me tenderly. And I don't know about you, but I need that. Don't you need that? Don't you need the tender touch of Christ in your life? Because, listen, left to myself, I'm a mess. Left to myself, I make a mess of things. Left to myself, I don't have the wisdom and strength I need to live a life that honors Him. And sometimes I stumble and fall, and sometimes I find myself on the wrong path. And I'm so grateful in those moments Jesus, who is God and who could crush me with his weight and his authority, comes to me with tenderness. Reminds us that he cares and he picks us up and he puts us back on our feet and he dusts us off. And and even though we are bruised, he won't break us. And even though our fire for the Lord is smoldering, he won't put it out. He restores us. Deals with us tenderly because he is me. Listen, even when I live in a way that is offensive to him. And I don't know about you, but I've done some things before that grieve the heart of Christ. Anyone in here ever grieve the heart of Christ? I have. You have. Even when we grieve his heart, he is undefiled. Meekness. He draws near tenderly to restore. I don't know who this is for this morning, but someone, God brought you here to remind you that Jesus is tender. And you need his tender touch in your life. And he will step into the middle of all that's going on and heal you and restore you if you let him. That's the kind of savior that he is. So what are the illustrations of meekness in the Bible? Well, there are two major ones, Moses and Jesus. That helps you to understand what meekness looks like lived out. But third, let's talk about the application of meekness. What does that look like in your life and my life? If we're going to be growing to be more meek, what will that entail? Well, there are two senses in which you and I are to be meek. The Bible uses meekness in in two aspects. One, in our vertical relationship with God. And two, in our horizontal relationship with others. So let's talk about what meekness looks like in our vertical relationship with God. Meekness in our relationship with God looks like surrender. How do you know if you are meek toward God? The answer is... Are you surrendered to God's will and God's way? Is he calling the shots in your life? Have you surrendered all? So Pastor Wade, where are you getting that from? Well, James chapter 1 verse 21. James writes, Therefore put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness. Listen to this. And receive with meekness. The implanted word which is able to save your souls. Isn't that interesting? 
Receive with meekness the word of God. Receive with meekness the truth of God. Receive with meekness the commandments of God. Receive with meekness the principles of God. Receive with meekness the the precepts of God. Receive God's truth in your life. That's what meekness looks like. It looks like surrender. To say, Lord, I want you to have your way in my life. Meekness in our vertical relationship with God. And it's interesting to note the illustration that Jesus uses in Matthew 11. I just quoted Matthew 11 for you when Jesus describes his heart as gentle or meek and lowly. But in Matthew eleven twenty nine and 30, he says, Take my yoke upon you, learn from me, for I am gentle, lowly in heart. You will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. That's an illustration from agriculture. And he's speaking there of, of an ox who would work with another ox in a team to provide the manpower or the animal power to provide the, the, the power to, to, to work in the field. And what would happen is one ox would be under the yoke and the other ox who, who was familiar with that first ox would come in voluntarily and get it under the yoke. They were trained to do this. And, and Jesus is saying, I'm meek, come under my yoke. Come under my yoke. Come beside me, surrender to me, and I'll lead you in the way you ought to go. So if you think about an ox, an ox is not a weak animal, right? They're big, they're powerful, they are strong. But an ox that is rightly trained and submissive comes under the yoke. So what do we learn from that? We learn, and this is important, Meekness is not weakness. Meekness, listen, is strength under control. It's strength surrendered to the Lordship of Christ. That's what meekness is. Leon Moore says meekness is not to be confused with weakness. The meek are not simply submissive because they lack the resources to be anything else. Meekness is quite compatible, he writes, with great strength and ability as humans measure strength. But whatever strength or weakness the meek person has, listen, is accompanied by humility and a genuine dependence upon God. True meekness may be a quality of the strong. Those who could assert themselves but choose not to do so. The strong who qualify for this blessing are the strong who decline to domineer. Listen, self-assertion. I had to think about this sentence this week. Self-assertion is never a Christian virtue. Rather, it is Christian to be busy in lowly service and to refuse to engage in the conduct that merely advances one's personal aims. That's what meekness is. It's strength surrendered. It's It's taking who you are and giving it all to Jesus. I read a story recently about Chuck Norris, the great martial artist, actor. He's an actor in a lot of action flicks. He was, of course, in Walker, Texas Ranger. Can I get a witness? 
one day he was filming in Texas, and he was filming late in the day, and he went to a small, kind of off-the-beaten-path, local restaurant, diner-type place, and he sat down to eat his food, and a gentleman walked in, and Chuck Norris was sitting in his seat. So he walked up and said, you're in my seat. You know what Chuck Norris did? He got up and moved tables. The guy sat down. He began to eat his food. He looked over and realized that was Chuck Norris. And the gentleman went over and apologized profusely. I'm I'm sorry, mister. I didn't realize who you were. But here's Chuck Norris, this guy who could, with one roundhouse kick, could take this guy out, right? But he doesn't assert his rights. He doesn't throw his weight around. He doesn't say, do you know who I am? He got up without a fuss, moved tables. Is Chuck Norris weak? No. That's strength under control. And that's what meekness looks like. It's surrender. It's the opposite of rebellion. It's to give the Lord complete control. It's the attitude of the disciple to the teacher. It's the the attitude of the son to the father. It's the attitude of the servant to the master. Surrender. But what about our relationships with others? Our horizontal relationships. Well, meekness in our relationship with others looks like gentleness. In our vertical relationship, meekness looks like surrender. In our horizontal relationships, meekness looks like gentleness. Let me show you a couple of ways the Bible uses this word in reference to you and to me. Ephesians 4, 1 through 3. I therefore, Paul writes, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called with all humility and gentleness. That's the translation of the word praus, same word. With all humility and gentleness or meekness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. So in our relationship with others, meekness looks like gentleness. We treat each other gently. We love each other. We forgive each other. We help each other. We encourage one another. Gentleness. Colossians 3, 12-15. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, Meekness, same word, praus, meekness and patience. Listen, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, Paul writes in Colossians, put on love. How do you know if you are growing in meekness in your Christian journey? Do you see an increasing gentleness in your relationship with others? And one of the primary ways you can discern that is this. How do you react when someone offends you? How do you react when someone disappoints you or lets you down? How's your gentleness level then? It's easy to be gentle to people that are being nice to you, isn't it? 
It's an entirely different scenario when you're called to live out meekness when someone is opposed to you or has hurt you or has let you down. Meekness in our relationship with others looks like gentleness. And the applications here are endless. Even as I'm speaking this morning, I believe the Holy Spirit of God is, is just touching your heart in specific places. And showing you, hey, this is an area in your life that calls for gentleness. Maybe you're thinking of something specific, some person or some situation. And to be meek in that situation means you will be gentle in that situation. Because that's what meekness looks like. Think about the implications for for marriage. Think about the implications for parenting. Think about the implications in your job. Think about the implications in your extended family. Think about the, the implications in your neighborhood. Think about the implications when you go out to eat and they get your food order wrong and, and you're, you're upset because they didn't bring your food on. Think about the implications of what gentleness looks like in day-to-day living. We could spend this entire sermon talking about how this applies, but certainly, certainly, the Holy Spirit of God is showing you specific areas in your life that call for a growing gentleness. So we've talked about a definition of gentleness. We've looked at two illustrations of gentleness. We've talked about the application of gentleness or meekness, but fourth and last... I want to share with you the promise of meekness. The promise of meekness. Look what it says back in Matthew 5, verse 5. Blessed are the meek for, here's the promise, they shall inherit the earth. Now this beatitude has a promise attached to it that is eschatological in its fulfillment. By that I mean it's future-oriented. Jesus here is speaking of a, a, a future a certain future for those that are exhibiting meekness. In this phrase, they shall inherit the earth, Jesus is alluding to Psalm 37 verse 11 that says the meek shall inherit the land. He's alluding to that verse. And in Psalm 37 verse 3, the context is those who trust in the Lord. He's speaking of those who have faith in the one true God and it shows up in their life Through meekness. So let me say it like this. This future inheritance, they shall inherit the earth. This future inheritance is not for those that have earned it. It's for those who have trusted God. And now that they know God, they exhibit meekness. In other words, meekness is a characteristic of kingdom citizens. It's just part of who kingdom citizens are. And it ought to be increasing in our lives. And if you don't see a growing meekness in your life, it might be evidence that you don't know the gentle, humble Jesus. In other words, meekness can become a way for us to evaluate whether or not we have a true relationship with God. But he says there, the meek, they shall inherit the earth. That phrase, inherit the earth, speaks of our future. I believe included in that phrase 
inherit the earth? Is the earthly kingdom that Christ sets up after the great tribulation? I believe that Jesus will set up his kingdom on this earth. A literal 1,000 year reign. The church will reign with him in that kingdom. After a thousand years, Jesus will usher in a new heavens and a new earth. And we'll inhabit the new heavens and new earth for all of eternity. And, and Jesus, that earth, the kingdom of Christ, the, the eternal new heavens and new earth, that will be your inheritance. Heaven in your future. And it's interesting to note that there's the emphatic use here in the original language. When it says, they shall inherit the earth, it's, it really could be translated, they alone, or only they shall inherit the earth. Speaking here specifically of those who are living out meekness as a characteristic because they have trusted God, and God is producing that through their lives. Heaven is not for those who have earned it. Heaven is not for the proud and the achievers. Heaven is for those who realize they need a Savior. And based upon that, that need, they surrender all to Christ and let Him have His way in their life. And then meekness begins to show up. These are the folks who can look forward to inheriting the earth. So let me say it like this. The meek have a glorious future. The meek have a glorious future. Now let me just go back very quickly to Psalm 37 to give you context to verse 11 that Jesus alludes to here. In Psalm 37, 1 through 3, the Bible says, fret not yourself because of evildoers. Be not envious of wrongdoers. Have you ever found yourself looking at the ungodly and thinking, what's the deal? They don't love the Lord and their life looks fantastic. They're not serving Jesus and boy, it looks like their life is, is, is a life of ease and blessing. And here I am trying to serve Jesus and I have trouble paying my electric bill. I'm struggling. The psalmist deals with that kind of thought. He says, Do not fret yourself because of evildoers. Be not envious of wrongdoers, for they will soon fade like the grass and wither like the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. Verse 9, For the evildoers shall be cut off, but those who wait for the Lord shall inherit the land. In just a little while, the wicked will be no more. Though you look carefully at his place, he will not be there. But the meek shall inherit the land and delight themselves in abundant peace. You know what's being said here in Psalm 37 and Jesus is alluding to in the Beatitudes? Sometimes when you live a meek life, you may be mistreated. You may experience oppression. You may be thrown to the wayside by the assertive and the proud. You may not get your way. You may be wounded by others. But because you are meek, you're not manipulating and scheming your way through life trying to keep up with the ungodly. And because of that, there's some earthly things you might miss out on. 
There are some earthly material comforts that the wicked get that you don't. But the point here is this. Even if your meekness leads to a seeming failure on this earth, you get heaven. You inherit the eternal kingdom of God. You will dwell in the new heavens and new earth forever and ever and ever. So you don't have to clamor for the things of this world. You don't have to clamor for the things of this life. You live in meekness, surrender, gentleness. And know that one day it will be worth it when you receive your eternal inheritance as a follower of King Jesus. In other words, sometimes being meek can be hard in this life. But it's worth it. It's worth it. It's worth it because... When you live with meekness, you are reflecting King Jesus to a lost and dying world that desperately needs to see Jesus. Thank you for listening. We pray you've been encouraged and inspired by God's Word. May the Lord richly bless you.